Welcome to Let's Talk Family Law, your source for how to navigate the financial and legal implications of divorce, custody, asset division, and adoption. This podcast series is created and produced by Weber Gallagher. Visit us at wglaw.com. This program should not be considered legal advice. Please consult our attorneys for your specific situation. And now, here are our hosts. Hello and welcome to the latest installment of Weber Gallagher's Let's Talk Family Law. My name is John Zerzola. I'm a partner here in the Family Law Department at Weber Gallagher. Uh, Our office is located in King of Prussia, but we have offices all throughout um, Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Um, And from this office, we service the five-county Philadelphia area, which includes, of course, Philadelphia, Norristown for Montgomery County, Doylestown, Bucks County, Westchester, Chester County, and of course, media in Delaware County. From here, we're able to help clients in all those different locales and courts. Today, we're going to be talking about an issue that really is one that every family lawyer that's been doing this for a little while, and indeed, every um, person that's gone through a divorce and a custody case, or many people, um, have experienced. And this is how to deal with um, a narcissist in uh, a divorce or a child custody case, or what happens, what's the situation involving when one of the litigants, the husband, the wife, the mom, the dad, is really a narcissist, and how that manifests itself in a divorce and custody case. Because I really believe in my 23 and a half years or whatever of doing this, it is something that you really need to spot on the uh, at the beginning, and you really need to deal with, just like you would deal with any other important factor in a family law case, like a pension or a car or a house or the child, special needs, something like that. You got a narcissist on one side, especially the other side. This is something you have to actively prepare for and really think and game out. So um, we're talking about a situation where one of the one of the parties in a family law case is a narcissist. So let's talk about what a narcissist is. And at this point, I'll tell you that I'm not a psychologist. I have no specialized training in psychology, and I only know what I read in books on the internet and what I know when I see. You know, if it if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it might be a duck, or if it is, but we also um, we know a narcissist when we see one. Textbook definition of a narcissist is a person who has an excessive interest in or admiration of themselves. Now, that's probably the, the kind definition or the benign definition of a narcissist. That picture we, we saw of Narcissa looking in the water at back at themselves. Really, um, the definition is when you look at what, how that manifests itself. What does a narcissist do? What, what is encompassed in narcissistic personality disorder? And again, this is stuff you can just go read for yourself, but you're going to find that the narcissist is, of course, self-centered. They're arrogant. They think uh, arrogant. Um, their behavior is arrogant. They lack empathy and consideration for other people, and they have ex- an excessive need for admiration. Um, and when you're dealing with somebody with this type of a personality disorder, and you put them in a high-conflict situation, or indeed a contest um, with their spouse or their significant other, maybe even one um, a contest where they were always the dominant party because they're a narcissist, um, it really is where the, the rubber meets the road for this person's personality 
um, uh, really defining how the, the, the dispute will go. Is divorce and child custody often is, is a very contentious dispute. So what happens? Let's, let's, for our purposes today, take the situation where the, uh, I'm, I'm representing uh, the wife in a divorce case that also has the child custody component. So they're not only getting divorced, they're, they have a support case and they have a child custody case and a divorce case, which is very common. I represent the wife and the husband we've determined is a narcissist, or if maybe he isn't diagnosed with that, he's self-centered, he's arrogant thinking, he lacks empathy and consideration, and he has excessive need for submaration. Let's say that's the situation here. We find a lot that in these cases, um, the, the narcissist will um, act in ways that may indeed be irrational for the outcome of their actual case. So in a custody case, it's easy. What's in the best interest of the child? Um, you may have situations where a narcissist, um, knowing full well, maybe even being counseled by their attorney, that you know it's not good for children to be to see all this contentiousness. It's not good for children to have to be running back and forth to court to testify. It's not good for the custody schedule that you're telling me you want where the kids are going back and forth to two different households three times a week. Narcissists might not care about any of that um, because, of course, it's not about the children. It's about them. Um, and especially if the narcissist finds out that the other parent doesn't want this for the child. Maybe the other parent articulated the things I just did. It's not in the child's best interest to be shown around. It's not in the child's best interest um, to see us fighting. The narcissist may do that because the other person is saying that that's not what they want or that's what they want. It's not about the children at this point. It's about them. Um, and you'll see narcissists doing things like serial filings. Um, the minute the custody order comes out, they file to modify the custody order, get back in court. Maybe they understand that the other person is having trouble paying their attorney. You know, maybe the narcissist has unlimited resources and the other person doesn't. Or maybe the narcissist works at home or owns their own business, and um, the other parent, who's not the narcissist, has to, is a teacher and can't take off to go to court three times um, you know, in six months. The narcissist is going to file petition after petition after petition um, to make sure that the other side um, is paying attention to that. Uh, and and um, it's, you know, so I'm trying to say it's not a, it's not really about the outcome of the custody case at that point. It's about satisfying the um, the motivations of the narcissist. Narcissists might fight tooth and nail for custody, you know, and get every. They might fight for 50-50 custody, and then almost from the beginning turn around and they they fall out or they don't exercise the custody. Again, it wasn't about custody; it was about them. Divorce. Divorce is a great situation for a narcissist to, especially in Pennsylvania, to sort of gum up the works. Okay, in, in Pennsylvania, divorce is, um, a co it, it really is a cooperative system. Okay, there's all kinds of rules in divorce that says you have to do things by a certain time. And if you don't do these things, you know, the, all these bad things can happen. You can get attorney's fees against you and you could be, you could be forced to not be able to even present your argument or something like that. Narcissist doesn't care about any, anything like that because um, in a cooperative system, it's based on cooperation, okay? So 
So for instance, you file your divorce, the first opportunity a narcissist has to, to mess everything up is maybe they don't accept service of the complaint. Maybe they make you, they force you to hire a process server to follow them around. And then when the process server uh, gets them, they say that they never received the complaint or the process server harassed them or something like that. It's gonna, the whole inquiry is then gonna turn on what's, what's bad that's happening person who's supposed to otherwise accept service of the complaint. Maybe the narcissist will tell you they're hiring a lawyer and then they never hire a lawyer. Weeks go by. Um, maybe a narcissist um, uh, is sent um, discovery questions like interrogatories or requests for production of documents. Things that we do in order to sort of get a handle on what the parties have, what is in the bank account, the pensions, what's the real estate worth, right? This is something that the, the lawyers are actively working on other every day to get these two to the finish line. Well, that doesn't mean anything to the narcissist. Um, it's, it's, it might not even be about getting divorced. Maybe the narcissist wants to get divorced, but he understands that if he never responds to the discovery, there'll just be an opportunity for another court date where he'll get extra time to respond. And then when he's threatened with attorney's fees, maybe he, he, maybe he rolls the dice. Maybe he or she rolls the dice. And the first time they're before the judge, they don't get attorney's fees, you know, and all it has done is frustrate the other side and made the, um, the process all about them. This is a pretty good time to um, point out, too, that the system itself might lend opportunities to the narcissist to be that person that they want to be. What do I mean by that? Well, in family law, we always talk about uh, a situation, the goal, the ideal in family law with respect to parties' interaction with the courts is to have one judge, one family, right? So that every time that your case goes to court, whether it's the divorce or whether it's custody or whether it's the support, you're seeing the same judge over and over again, a judge that knows your case, seen these parties before. Well, that's a really good thing if you think about it with respect to a case where you have a narcissist because at some point the person's going to get found out the person's going to be seen for what they are um you know they might get away with you know like people get away with smoking in the bathroom in high school you might get away with it a couple times but eventually you're going to get caught when you have one judge one family it's a great opportunity for the judge to really get to know who these people are why they do the things that they do and whether maybe they have these narcissistic um traits but that doesn't happen a lot the court system is really segmented, okay? So when you go to support, you see a support conference officer. Then you might see a support hearing officer. Then you might see a judge that does the support list. And then when you go to custody, you see a custody conference officer who has nothing to do with support or divorce. And then you might see another hearing officer, and then you might see the custody judge. And then divorce, completely uh, another set of circumstances. You might never see a judge unless you file motions, you might see a, you know, a divorce master or a divorce hearing officer. The point is, is that when a narcissist gets the ability to have, to see all these different people, um, my opinion is, is the narcissist sees these people literally as fresh meat, okay? Um, it's, it's, they can do what they do over and over and over again. Uh, regardless of who the person is that they're they're seeing, they get to be themselves over and over again, and and try to manipulate because narcissists are very uh, manipulative, um, and they get to gum up the works um, or delay things or otherwise 
act irrationally with respect to their case, but but also achieve their goals, whatever they may be, um, in a system where you, you see somebody literally different every time you go to court. The other thing you see a lot in, in the cases, in the family law cases, where one side is a narcissist, you see the, the, the relationship play out before you in these hearings, okay? So the, the, the types of manipulation, the types of abuse, the types of dialogue, the tone, everything you, you, you see, you, it's a window into what the relationship was like. And because it plays out like that, and because the narcissist um, is reacting sometimes the way he or she does because they're, they're losing some control, um, they will practice the things that they know that have worked for the last 20 years on the other side, sometimes in open court, sometimes when the hearing's over, sometimes um, you know after, uh, after the parties are separated. The narcissist is going to work on the other person to get what they want. Sometimes, you know, this manifests itself in, in the attorneys giving legal advice, strategic advice, strategy advice, um, economic advice to the party. But when a narcissist gets a hold of the other, uh, uh, the other person, the, that person could say, well, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to make them mad. I don't, I, don't, I don't really need that. I don't want sometimes. And, and after you've been doing this for a long enough time, you kind of understand what's going on here. Um, the, the the narcissist has gotten to the person, and that they're 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 playing sort of their own game in uh, in the case. Obviously, um, the narcissist is the person in the custody case that can um, be guilty of the parental alienation that we always talk about. The idea that you're trying to turn the child away from the other parent for no good reason, except that satisfies your aim. It might not have anything to do with what's in the child's best interest. Of course, it frequently it's not. It might, you might not even really have the time or the ability to exercise custody or be that emotional parent that you're, you're ostensibly trying to be by a child against the other parent, but you do it anyway because you're a narcissist. Um, we talked about serial filing, okay? The, 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 the narcissist that will file a petition to modify support the day that they get a support order because they want to go in and talk about um, uh, another aspect of the support case. Um, get the person in in court again because they know it's not in uh, their best interest. Sometimes you'll, you'll have long cases. You'll have, you'll have cases that last for two, three years, five years, a divorce case, where for the first three years or the first four years, the narcissist is absolutely inflexible about something. They will not relent. And then all of a sudden, they just turn around and relent, even if it is something that goes against their financial self-interest. It could serve another goal that the narcissist has with respect to the case. Maybe they want the other side to spend more money on attorney's fees. Maybe they want the other side to not be able to get remarried, um, all things like that. So this, this was really a, um, a very non-scientific, non-psychological discussion um, and war stories with respect to what happens when you're dealing with a narcissist in family law. I can only say that it is uh, based upon my personal experience. Um, I think, like I said in the beginning, anybody that's gone through this has probably shaken their head uh, yes more than once during this talk, um, whether you're an attorney or a litigant. I would say that your case, if you are dealing with a narcissist, is one where you probably really do want to have a lawyer because you know the narcissist will 
like I said before, dominate procedure. They, they will find out what it takes to, to you know, skate on the margins and do other things, which may really frustrate the process. And um, you want to have a good lawyer in your corner, especially when there's kids involved. I hope this was educational for you and provided you some information and uh, you got something out of it. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk Family Law, presented by Weber Gallagher. We hope you join us next time to learn more about how to navigate the financial and legal implications of divorce, custody, asset division, and adoption. Until then, please visit us at wglaw.com.